You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. Okay, so questioning Jesus sounds like something we're not supposed to do, right? You're not supposed to question you know, your elders, right? You're not supposed to question authority. And Jesus, he's kind of both that. He's our older brother and he's authority. Not supposed to question him, are we? Well, there are different ways of questioning like, like this. Okay, here's some of them. Interrogation. Okay, that's questioning. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't interrogate Jesus or raising doubts or entertaining them, you know, or encouraging them a lot or being suspicious. That's a way to question. You know, we're suspicious of people. But there's also a positive way of doing this. When you're seeking truth or peace, you ask questions, right? If you want to know what time worship service starts at 2911, you ask a question. You're just seeking some truth. So that's a good and an okay thing. But, here, you know, and I've got to get Jeff to say it to me again so I get it the way Jeff says it. But I really like what Jeff said. Jeff said this a good long while ago. I've heard him say it a few times, but it just really stuck with me. You know, that Jesus, he's big enough and he is sure enough of himself that he's not blown away by your questions. It doesn't bother him for you to say, I don't understand this. You know, tell me about yourself. He, he doesn't get blown away by that. He's not blown away by your doubts. It is okay for us to question. Okay, so we're going to talk about a whole lot of questions. I'll, I'll be honest with you. This morning, I was trying to look through the list and say, which can I cut out one or two of these because I, I need to spend more time? But I, I just, it just felt like every single one of them I need to try and cover today, okay? So I want to jump in real quick if I can. And I want to start with the one that, that is probably the most often asked question. Uh, and and, and here's, here's where I want to go with this, okay? I want to go to the Bible with this because just about every question that you have of Jesus, I, I, as far as I can tell, every question that you have of Jesus, somebody asked him in the Bible. I mean, we, we, don't, we think a lot of times that the Bible doesn't cover a whole lot of stuff. It covers just about everything. I think every question that you have is somewhere in the Bible. Somebody's already asked Jesus. So that's where I want to go with this today. And we're going to begin with what is probably the most important one and the most often asked one is if Jesus is the one, if he is the Messiah, if he really is God. And there's just a few scripture references there, as you'll see. And, and again, if you go to that Connect page that Brent was talking about, go to the sermon notes, you can find the links to all of those right there. And you can see all these people that asked Jesus, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Are you, the, are, are you God? Are you the one we've been waiting for? And I don't have time to preach all of those, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you three real quick, okay? Uh, one is the first person to acknowledge and actually promote Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, the second story I'm going to tell you real, just real quick or refer to, and won't have a lot of time to talk there, but is the last person you would ever es- expect to even ask this question or to entertain this question about if Jesus is the Messiah. And the, the third one is the person that should embrace and accept him above anybody else that lived during that time. Okay, and, and so it, it, where do the answers come from? Okay, the questions come from us. If we're questioning Jesus, we want to look at his answers, don't we? So let's look at, let's look at how he answered the question. So the first person is the, 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 first one is the person that, that first recognized who he was and, and started telling everybody who he was, and that's John the Baptist. He was the first one. They look in Scripture. He's the first one. The Holy Spirit just speaks to him and says, that's him. There he is. 
You'll know, you know who he is, right? There he is. And, and John had already been telling people that he was coming, and now John said, boop, there he is. Spirit just told me, that's the one, there, there he is. So he was the first one, but you know what happened? Late in life, just days before he was executed, now, he didn't know he was about to die. He didn't have a death warrant over him. He didn't have some sentence that had been, been, been already set. But he was about to die. What he did know is that he had spent all of his life telling people about Jesus. Now Jesus shows up, and now he's thrown in jail. He's in prison. He's waiting for somebody to decide something, and so now doubt begins to enter. Man, I, I like that. I like that we see that. You know, I think if, if I were writing a story about my life, and I was supposed to be some big, great person, and, and then I had one of my greatest supporters start doubting me, you know, of who I was, I don't know that I would include that story. But again, Jesus is not blown away by our doubts, okay? And so he includes this story in his story. John the Baptist, he sends his disciples over to ask Jesus, go see if he really is the one. And so they come and ask him. And what is Jesus' answer? Okay, this is a little bit of a paraphrase, but here's Jesus' answer. Go ahead and bring that up for me, if you will, Tommy. This is what he tells the disciples of John the Baptist. Look around you. What do you see? You see miracles happening. People, people uh, who, are, who have been sick, you see them, uh, now they're cured. People who have been blind, now they have their, have their sight back. And on top of that, the poor, now, now, now listen, people who have the means, people who have connections and all that, they always seem to get everything. But, but Jesus said even the poor have the good news being shared with them. Something's different in this situation than in any other situation that has happened. It's a different day. Recognize it. See it. So you go back and tell John what you're seeing. That's all it is. Now, I know what we want God to do. We want God to just give us yes or no qu answers to our questions, right? right? Don't you like yes or no? Don't, don't you like yes or no? I mean, yeah, we all do. We want yes or no. Jesus very rarely does that. You know what he does? If he tells us yes, then we know the answer to that question. But when he explains to us the why so that we can pull it all together, then we can figure out the answer to all the other questions too. And I believe that's why he does this. So, so instead of saying, yes, I'm the one, he says, well, look for yourself, guys. Do you see healings taking place? Do you see miracles? Okay, and let me relate that to you today, 2911, and our first-time attenders. You hear me say all the time about the miracles that are happening. Want, want to know where some of them, just look around you. Just about every person sitting in this room right now is a miracle and and we've got the stories to tell I can, I can share them with you and tell you all the stories ask me after service and and and, and I'll, I'll introduce you to some people the miracles are happening and the and the poor have the gospel being being shared with them the poor in spirit the poor in finances the poor in, in emotions the poor in everything have this so so add it up for yourself is there something not different happening in this gathering than in other any other gathering I'm talking about the gathering of the church all over the world but is there something not different about this that is that's what Jesus told John the Baptist disciples okay but then here's there's another another person asked late in Jesus life the night before he was crucified he's standing before Pontius Pilate and Pontius Pilate the governor of all Judea he has the he has the authority to release Jesus or to have him condemned to death or to just throw him in prison for the rest of his life and so w what he does is he's questions Jesus and one of the questions he asks him is are you the son of God and Jesus answer again what's Jesus answer well he gets a little closer to it in, in one way but he says it this way he says you said it you already know 
You already know there. You would not have even asked. Come on, you're you're a Roman non-Jew governor serving under Caesar. You would not even be asking the question if it wasn't in your spirit. Listen to me. If you're asking the question, there's something inside of you telling you to ask the question. There's some faith that is inside of you that is trying to explode in in your life and to believe that Jesus. There's something inside of you that makes you want to say, yes, he is the Messiah. That's what Jesus told Pontius Pilate. And then the third person is the high priest. And the high priest, okay, he's the guy, you know, the the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the, the elders, the priests, and the high priest, they are the ones who have been talking about the Messiah coming for all these years. So when Jesus comes, he ought to be the one looking for them. But when he asks the question, now Jesus gets blunt. Jesus finally gives a yes or no answer when the high priest says, are you the son of God? And Jesus says, I am. He finally says it. You know, and I'm glad he does because, I mean, you know, just to settle your mind and your heart, okay, yes, he is. But here's where we are with this now. Here's where we are. I mean, none of that really proves that he is the son of God, does it? No. No, I mean, it doesn't, there's not just the empirical evidence of every, but if you take all of this and you see all this and everything going on in your life and, and what you're seeing with your eyes and all of this, yeah, it shows me that he is the Son of God. But it does prove to us that he claims, again, from two weeks ago, what we talked about. And, and, and if you missed that sermon, go back. If you're still questioning, I, then go back. If you missed it, go back and listen to that first sermon in this series, okay? Here's the, here's Here's the beginning of the answer, is this is who Jesus Christ claims to be, and now it's in your lap. You have to decide. He says, yes, I am. You already know it in your heart, and just look around you and see everything that is happening in your life and in the life of people around you, and you answer the question. Okay, but here's a, here's a related question that goes along with, along with these. Is why doesn't Jesus just do some big, huge miracle to prove he is who he says he is. Have you ever thought that? Come on, have you ever thought that? Or just, maybe you even ask it. God, do something to prove yourself to me. Man, I've said that. I've asked him in the middle of a problem or something, and not that I, I didn't think he was the son of God in that moment, but I'm, I have wondered, are you here? <laughs> are you listening? Are you paying attention? Do you know what I'm walking through, God? Just show me some sign that you're here and you're working, Right? Do you, ever, do you ever ask God that? Come on, let's be real with ourselves if we can. Well, this story right here in John chapter 6, verse 30, that's what the people, they were, a big crowd of people were following after Jesus, and they basically asked him, you know, why don't you just give us a sign so we can know that that's, you are who you say you are. Here's the problem. You see, these people, yesterday, the day before this, they had just witnessed one of the great miracles that we talk about all the time in church, the feeding of 5,000 families with one little boy's sack lunch. They had just witnessed this the day before, and so now they're showing up and saying, give us a sign. He just did. You just saw that yesterday. So you know what that tells me? It tells me they weren't really looking for the evidence. They were looking for, maybe they just wanted the goose. Man, did you imagine? Did you, whoa, was that not amazing yesterday when we saw that man do that and all of that? They just wanted the goosebumps. Or maybe they wanted their bellies full one more time. Hey, give us another free meal, Jesus. You know, but here's the thing, is Jesus doesn't want us chasing after his miracles. He wants us to believe in him. 
And that's why he doesn't just want to tell us the yes or just keep giving us signs. We've got plenty of signs around us to know that he is. And he wants us to just throw, throw back our faith and say, yes, I believe you, Jesus Christ, are the Son of God. Okay, so let's move on to some other questions for a moment. We'll, we'll kind of come back to that at the end. Let's move on to some other questions. You know, most of the other questions that you and I have about Jesus could probably fall under this heading of reconciling a good God with a bad world. You know what I mean? All those questions that, you know, now if he is a good God, and if he is all-loving and he's all-powerful and he's all-knowing and he knows all the good and the bad going on, how do we reconcile this really, really good God with the shape the world's in, right? Okay, so we have, there's a whole bunch of questions we ask about that. Let's run through some of those as quick as we can. Okay, so here's the first one. Does Jesus care that life isn't fair? Okay, is that one you ever ask? You know, life isn't fair, and I don't think Jesus even cares. Is Jesus even paying attention? Life is not fair. You know who asked this question? In uh, Luke chapter 10, one of Jesus' closest friends, Martha. Jesus had some friends, Martha, Mary, and her brother Lazarus. Okay, and he's at their house, and, uh, and Jesus is teaching, and Mary is sitting there, and she's just drinking it all in. She's like, man, this is good, this is good. But Martha's fixing dinner. So Martha comes in, and she, she says, Jesus, don't you care? This isn't fair. She's getting to sit here and listen, and I'm having to work in the kitchen. This isn't, don't you care? This isn't fair, Jesus. You know what he tells her? He basically, he basically tells her, bring, bring up this answer right here. This, it's kind of a paraphrase again. Maybe we're prioritizing the wrong things. Because she's making dinner. You know, I know everybody needs to eat, but right now it's time to eat this spiritual food and to eat instead of eating that food. And she's prioritizing her own things. That sometimes what we do is we want to look at life and say life isn't fair because we have priorities on the wrong things. We look and we see what someone else is getting. We look and we see, well, well, they didn't even try and they got a blessing, and, but it's because maybe they had priorities on the right things that God had them intending to have priorities on in that moment but that we often sometimes want to prioritize the wrong things in our life you know what on this question Jesus is just throwing it right back at us it isn't it isn't about life being fair and who wants life to be fair come on let's be honest we have gotten away with a whole lot more stuff than we've had to pay for yeah so thank God life is not fair and Jesus cares about that but the way he cares about it he wants to help us understand what priorities are Okay, let's go to the second question that, that uh, comes out of this. Why does Jesus disappoint me? Anybody ever been disappointed by Jesus? Okay, quick story right here. This is when Jesus was 12 years old, and uh, he and his mom and dad, they go to the temple, and it's time for them to do the sacrificing and the ceremonies and all that. After that's all accomplished, they start heading home. They are three days into their journey when they realize, wait, where's Jesus? Now, it sounds like <laughs> these are some really absent-minded parents, right? Well, they were probably traveling in a really large family gathering, and they just thought Jesus was with somebody else. And so now they realize he's not with us. He's not with us. We gotta get, and they get back, and Jesus is in the temple. And he's not just listening to the scribes and, and, and the, the, the knowledgeable ones about the law. He's actually asking them questions. He's actually teaching them things. And so his mom's like, Jesus, why have you disappointed us in this way? Why have you disappointed us? Why? You, you knew that we had to, well, Jesus threw it back at her. But yeah, but you should have known where I would be. Should I not be about my father's business? Here, here, here's the answer right here. Go, go ahead and bring that one up, Tommy. We really should know what to expect Jesus to say and do. 
You know, a lot of times we already know and we act like we're disappointed. We, we're really not disappointed that he didn't answer or that he didn't answer in the way we wanted. I mean, that's the real thing is that he didn't answer the way we wanted to. I mean, like last night, if right before you went to bed, you got down on your hands and knees and said, Oh, God, please, tomorrow morning when I get up and I go outside and let there be a brand new bass boat sitting in the driveway. Okay, and then you get up this morning, I am disappointed at Jesus. There is no bass boat in the driveway. Not, not even a kayak or a canoe or even a paddle to get me started, God. But we, don't we know what Jesus probably is going to say to that? Now listen, like the Bible says, the Bible teaches us that those who don't work should not eat. Okay, so what does that tell me? That tells me if I want to eat, I'm supposed to work. Okay, now if, if that's the way this whole thing is set up, that if I want to eat, I'm supposed to work, then if I want a bass boat, I'm so probably supposed to work for it too. So I already know. So a lot of times what we do is we want to throw the blame on God when we know, we know, we know this isn't good for us. We're asking him for something, and he's disappointed us because we're asking for the, the, the wrong thing. Okay, let, let's, let's move on. I'm, I'm trying to hurry through some of these, but I, I, all of them, I just want to throw Does Jesus knowingly offend people? Man, that's a big one today. You know, well, Christianity is offensive. Does Jesus even know it's offensive? Do you guys know that... Christianity is offensive. There was a time, then there's the story right there, Matthew chapter 15. Back up before the, those verses, of, uh, verse 12, the verses before that. And see, here's what happened. Jesus' disciples, they come into a town, a village, and, and everybody rejects Jesus. You know what his disciples do? They say, you know, they're, they're, uh, they, want to, they want to know. And, and so they said, do you, do you know that you're offending the, uh, you're offending the, the Pharisees? You know what Jesus basically says? Okay, I'm paraphrasing here, okay? He says, here, here's what Jesus, bring it up if you will. Disregard these particular people. Jesus knew he was offending them. Disregard these particular, he, he offended them on purpose because they were not seeking truth. They were questioning in, you know, those first two or three areas. They weren't seeking truth. They weren't seeking peace. And so he offended them on purpose. Here's a couple of statements you might have heard lately. I mean, they're kind of real big, and this is pretty awesome right here. No one has ever been offended by something that didn't apply to them. Now, think about it. The last time you got offended is probably because you were doing something, you know, that you got called on. You know, no one's offended by stuff unless they're involved in it or it impacts them in some way. Or this one, truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. You know, and so sometimes, you know, the only way Jesus didn't come to seek and to make the lost feel better. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And the only way to save me from my lost condition is to challenge what it is that I'm doing that is not right in my life. And that's offensive. When Jesus tells me or when my conscience tells me or when you tell me or when anything tells me, that I'm doing something, that's offensive. But that's necessary in life for growth. And so Christianity is not an offensive thing. Christianity is a thing, you know, this, this ain't working out because of what you're doing there. And we need to be challenged in that. Let's, let's, let's go on. I think this is a little quicker. Wouldn't it be better if bad people were dead? Okay, come on, be honest. <laughs> you have thought that whether you have said it or prayed it or not. Okay, now this is one where the disciples came to Jesus and said, these, these people, they don't like you either. They, they're rejecting you. Should we call fire down out of heaven and kill them all? That's, that's what they asked Jesus, seriously. 
And some of you, you've had the same thoughts, haven't you? You know, hey, I, I, started, I started to name some places, but I, I don't even want to name some places. God, if you just send fire out of heaven to this particular place, life in, on earth would be a whole lot better, right? I mean, we think that kind of thing. You know what Jesus said? Check yourself. Check your heart. Check your spirit. Check your attitude. Check those things. Check your motivations that are in your life. That's what he said to them. And, 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 and here's... Here's why, I wanted to here's why I wanted to bring this to you, because there, there are a lot of people out in the world today who say that Christianity is a, you know, Christianity just wants to kill. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, too, just in a couple more seconds. Christianity just wants to, be, you know, just put everything down. But what does Jesus say? No, if you're thinking that, you don't have the same spirit I do. That's what he's saying. Look at the scriptures right there. If that's what you're thinking, you don't have my spirit. So if there are people out there that are making other people believe that's what Christianity is, they don't have his spirit. Okay, they don't have his spirit because Jesus was not about, he, he told them, no, you don't even know what spirit you're listening to right here. Okay, so let's go to this next, this next one. Should we fight? Now, this is the night before Jesus dies, and uh, he's being betrayed. Judas betrays him, and there's a whole company of soldiers there to arrest Jesus, and uh, some of them brought some swords. And uh, one of them said, should we fight? And they don't even wait for Jesus to answer. They pull their swords, and one we find out in another uh, telling of the story is that it was Simon Peter. He cuts off the ear. He's swiping and swinging. You know what Jesus said? He said, stop it. Stop it. Now, this is one I thought, that's, I think that's the answer right there, Tommy. Stop it. Now, this is one I said, I could probably cut this one out, but I'm throwing this out because I want you to see this, okay? I want you to see this. Is that Jesus, you see, sometimes Christianity and Christians get accused of being warmongers people full of hatred but Jesus Christ never called us to physically defend Christianity now that doesn't mean I don't need to defend my family I might need to defend my house or I might need to defend in court sometimes but Jesus Christ never called us to arms to defend Christianity okay so I want you to know that so if you've got people around you that think that you need to write this scripture down right here Okay, and if you forget, all you got to do is go back to the sermon notes this week, and you can find it right there. Okay, it's because that's not anything about Jesus. Okay, I just, I, I, I want to hurry about past this. Okay, so why is Jesus concerned about insignificant things? Y'all ever think that? Why are you? Why you know you hear something on a Sunday morning in the middle of a sermon, and you think, why is that important? Let me let me tell you why. Because God knows stuff you don't know. He knows stuff I don't know. Here's this story right here where this question was asked, and, and it was asked a little differently than this, I guess. But we asked this guy, why is, why is Jesus worried about such insignificant stuff? Jesus and his disciples, they are headed through town, and there is such a crowd of people around him. They're just trying to get him down the streets of the town. And then Jesus says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Somebody touched me. <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, duh. That's why, you know, disciples didn't say duh, but, you know, it's like, well, duh, look around you, Jesus. Everybody's bumping into you. That's not what he meant. He said, somebody touched me in a different way. They touched me with purpose. And there was a woman who had been sick, and she had been sick for so long, she had spent every dime she had going to the doctors and was still not able to be made well. And, and she stood up, she said, I'm the one. And she had received her healing when she touched Jesus. You know why Jesus is concerned with insignificant things? I mean, you're worried about one little person touching you in the middle of this crowd which is trying to get you through? Because insignificant things are strongly, vitally important to the people who are having to deal with them. 
So when we start worrying about, well, why is Jesus worried? You just don't, if Jesus is worried about it, there's a reason. There is a purpose, a greater purpose. Let, let, let me hurry on again. Um, next, next one. Does Jesus care what happens to us? You ever wonder that? that that's, that's one sometimes. I'm the, are you here, Jesus? You know, what are, are, you, are you listening, Jesus? Does Jesus care what happens? You know who asked this? The disciples. Do you even care what happens to us? They're on a boat. And a big storm starts raging, and they're worried that they're about to sink. And Jesus is asleep. He's asleep on the boat. And so they go, wake him, Jesus, Jesus, do you not care what happens to us? He gets up, he calms the sea, and then he says, just have faith. I'm already on the boat. Come on, think about it. We just need to have faith because he's already on your boat. We're worried, that, we're worried that he's not paying attention. No, he's already on your boat. If you're a child of God, he's already in your life. He's already, he's already there. And if he's, asleep, if he's asleep, man, that tells me everything ought to be all right. If Jesus can sleep through this, I ought to be able to. Just have faith because he's already on your boat. If you're following after him, you don't, you don't need to be so worried about every little thing. He's on the boat. It's all going to be okay. You know, I mean, you can look beyond because Jesus is going to wake up. He's going to wake up, and he's going to wake up on time. And he's going to wake up when it's time to do it. So just have faith because he's already on your boat. And, and, and we're about to wrap this up. i got to think of three more. Why do bad things happen? I, I know what you would do, though. You would add a, a few more words right there, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, the disciples asked this question. They already knew that bad things should only happen to bad people. Okay, so they're kind of asking the same question you're asking. Here's, here's what they did. They, they, they found this man that was blind, and they asked Jesus, Okay, now Jesus, who sinned that this man is blind, him or his parents? See, they already had this figured out. Bad things should only happen to bad people. So who sinned, Jesus? And, and, you know, I've always been intrigued by Jesus. And again, he didn't get no yes or no with her, you know, really in this way. He said, you got to think about it just a little bit. He said, nobody sinned, but we just need the power of God to be manifested here. Here's the answer. Bring it up there, Tommy. Here's the answer. Because God's power has not yet been displayed in this place. That's why this man is blind. Come on, listen. Are you getting this? That's why there's trouble in the world, because God's power has not been displayed in that place yet. That's why there's problems in that marriage, because God's power is not being displayed in that place. That's why kids are struggling, because God's power is not being displayed in that place. That's, that's why sin is rampant in this area, because God's power is not being displayed in this place. That's why we have an opioid epidemic, because God's power is not being displayed in this place. That's, that's, it's, it's not because you've sinned more than I've sinned. That's why no, it's because God's power has not been displayed yet. And so, so here again, Jesus is throwing it back at who? us. It's not about them, it's about me and you because, because if, if that's the case, if that's why, then we need to get serious about prayer and seeking God to bring the power of God into all of those places where life isn't fair, where troubles are happening, where bad things are happening, where bad people are. You and I, we are the ones. He's on our boat. So we need to get serious about bringing his power into those places, okay? So he's saying he's not just going to do it, is he? 
He's saying he wants us. Okay, so here's the next question. This is kind of out from under that in re uh, uh, reconciling. Why does Jesus need me? You know who asked that question? That very first one, John the Baptist. When Jesus came to be baptized of him. Incidentally, we're having baptism service in a couple of weeks. If you've never been baptized and you're a child of God, you need to be baptized two weeks from today, okay? All right, just text baptized to 476-2911. We'll get you all the info you need, all right? We'll tell you about it again next week. Are you going to ask someone afterwards? Jesus came to be baptized by John the Baptist, and John the Baptist says, You come to me? Why do you need me? You're the Son of God. Here's his answer. Because this is the way I've cho chosen it to be. I'm going to say it this way. Jesus said it is fitting. It's how he chooses to do it. He wants you involved in the answer. Why does he need because he set it up that way. Does he need us? You know, he could, he, I could say, no, he doesn't need us. But I'm telling you, he needs us because he set it up that way. So now it can't happen unless you and I get involved. Because he's made the rules. And here's the rules. We've got to pray the prayers. We've got to be his hands and feet. We've got to be the ones to go out and reach and touch and, and help and hold and, and build and create and, and love on and, and mourn with those. We've got to be, the, he set it up that way so he, 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 we could say he doesn't need us. Yes, he does because he set it up that way. He's cho he said, this is fitting. This is the way it ought to be. This is the way it works on this world is I need you. One last question and we'll close. And this is a weird one. Maybe for some of you. But, but, but you probably thought this, why do I need to be set free? I've never been a slave. We've, we've already sung two songs this morning and talked about freedom and being set free. Why do I need to be set free? You know, some, some Jews asked Jesus this one day. People that, were, people that were believing in him, this is John chapter 8, people that were believing his word, but they said, but, 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 but wait a minute. We're sons and daughters of Abraham. Why do we need to be set free? Why do we need? We've never been slaves to anybody. We've never been slaves. Bring that up. It'll help me hurry, Tommy. I'll just read it with you. See, you think you sin because you choose to, but it's really because you can't help it. And Jesus came to not just make us feel free, but to make us free indeed. You see, we think we, think we choose to sin like you chose to do that thing that you're regretting right now right but we really can't help it until we come to Christ we really can't help it we have a sinful nature that drives us to sin and you know what Paul talks about this a lot in the book of Romans I, I'm studying there right now my personal devotion and 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 Paul talks about this about how how um, uh, you, you know we, we want to do what's right but there's a sinful nature in us that drags us into doing what's wrong. You have a sinful nature, but Jesus came to set you free from that. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.